Hi, my name is Frankie. Thank you for listening to my mom. I never listen. Well, I love meeting new people. And one of the things I talk about all the time on Nothing But Net is introducing high IQ, work ethic, and personality. And boy, did I get lucky to find Dr. Belinda Kendall, who is the CEO and founder of Promise Media Group. Dr. Kendall, I'm going to call you Belinda, but I'm going to call you friend by the time we're done because... I have enjoyed so much learning about you and what you do and what you're here today to share with us. We are on the, the cusp of Dr. Martin Luther King Day yes. and Black History Month. And I feel like I found someone that's going to really help me learn a lot and educate me about things that are important conversations in our society today. So thank wow. you so much for being with us. Thank you. I was so honored to be asked to be with you. So I'm excited about being here. I am. Uh, Read your history. You're a pretty phenomenal woman yourself. Well, you know what? Us, we got to stick together, right? That's right. Sisterhood. Yeah. We do. Um, so, yes. so tell everyone a little bit about your path. I feel more comfortable you introducing yourself than me okay. trying to pick a few nuggets out of your very storied career. Okay. So I am CEO of Promise Media Group. And with Promise Media Group, we do social media, social media influence. So what happened was one day, I am a self-confessed ADHD. And so when I would find stories that I wanted to read, I knew I couldn't focus to read it. So I would save it on LinkedIn or I'll save it on Facebook. They became my scrapbook. Until one day I went to LinkedIn and I'm like, what do you mean 18 million impressions? What do you mean 200,000 followers? And that's when I realized I was like the history book or the newspaper for the world. And it still blows me away with the people that follow me, the, uh, the inbox messages I get from HR departments. We love what you're doing is helping us have better conversation with our employees. School teachers, can you find that story that you wrote about and send it back to us? We want to teach that to our class. I've even been asked to write a Black history book for the school system. So that became like a passion of mine, just getting up, searching the internet, finding unusual stories. And I like to say it's omitted Black history being restored. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also a commercial broker. I actually work with a bank that is in um, London, who I have a direct contract with, and we fund very large projects. Currently, we have $13.5 billion worth of projects on the table. Some of them are NBA, some of them are studios in California building highways and museums in foreign countries. So I'm really excited about that because I get to learn so much. This is a totally different direction than full court press and pick and roll defense. This is something <laughs> new for nothing but net. And that's what we're all about is broadening mm -hmm. our experiences. That, that is an incredible introduction as to what you're going to talk about. So, so give us some of those stories, Dr. Kendall, about things that we've learned because the way that I came about learning about you was exactly that. There were some basketball coaches that were following you mm -hmm. and if a basketball coaches following somebody I don't know. That's not in the basketball world. I'm always interested in why. And so right. I went and started reading and I found myself compelled to search you out and see if I could get you on the podcast. 
And I'm so happy you were dead. I'm so happy, so happy. So I want to talk about a story about a man by the name of Andre, I'm sorry, Andre Foster. They call him Ruth. This guy was probably about 220, 260. He started the Negro Baseball League before the National Negro Baseball League started. So Ruth Foster is a outsized owner of the Chicago American Giants. He walked into the YMC in Kansas City one day, um, trailing with 11 men. They were all sports writers. Gary B. Lewis of the Chicago Defender, David Watts, Indiana Ledger, Charles Marshall with Indianapolis Freeman, so many others. So he went in. And so what happened with this, he wanted to start a baseball league. He was smart enough to incorporate the business, to get the business up and going. They came up with bylaws. They came up with everything they needed, and they started their own league. He was best known for some of his pitches. And what's very interesting about that is that Christy Matheson, who became a Hall of Famer, they asked Rube to come in and teach him how to pitch like him. It was called the screwball. He was the one that came up with the button hit. Um, he was very disciplined. Uh, he was very hard on his players. They had to pay, I think, five cents when they missed, when they didn't slot in to the base, I think is what it was. He was so interesting and so phenomenal. But the sad thing about it, he's never got the recognition that he should have gotten. Um, he's kind of just been left out of history. And his parents, I think they were in Alabama, and he just took out and started going around trying to play baseball. And he stood out. And one of the newspapers wrote, if his skin wasn't black, he would be one of the most famous baseball players in the world. And that's the sad part. It was the color of the skin that helps so many great players out. And it's actually didn't allow them to be in history books. One of the things I read in your um, story about him was that he is considered the father of black baseball. And this is like way back, like to think that he could somewhat incorporate himself and then teach the mm -hmm. screwball. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> billions of dollars off the screwball. Exactly. but. He came up with so many things, you know, the bunt, the sliding into bases. I mean, the man was just, wow. he was just phenomenal, but he was never recognized. And that's something that we find a lot in Black history. A lot of this is left out of the whole that's history books. And he's not talked about a lot. I had to do a lot of research just to figure out who he was. And, um, but he always thought, hey, since World War I, you know, now they're, the white people are used to us. And surely they'll let us play on their team because now they're used to us and it didn't go as smoothly as he thought. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell a few baseball stories here, which is going to do a, a league of their own, which is mm -hmm. my favorite movie of all time. And yes. when I think about what those women endured, I'm thinking mm -hmm. even generations before that mm -hmm. is what we're talking about in baseball. Um, so, so what do you think was the lasting lesson that Rube Foster may have left with us? Well, you know, it's always the determination. It's always go after what you know, know who you are, be confident. Um, I think that's what he left with people, but his story is so much bigger. Um, you know, it's like I would have loved for him to get the recognition before he died. It's like, we honor you, sir. You was a great contributor to the baseball 
to the National Negro League. So I think what he left is a story behind. I tell my kids all the time, sometimes we go through stuff, not for ourselves, but for other people. And I think about um, in the Bible, Job lost everything he had. And it wasn't for him. It was for us 2,000 years when we lost our job, we would go where to Job. So his story is like one of those Job stories. You can get it done. You can do it. So I think what he left is just a beautiful story. It just needs a larger platform to be told. So I'm taking a deep breath, like I'm soaking it all in, like, okay, what else you got? Because I'm on the edge of my seat, like, this is awesome. And, and just so our listeners know, uh, Dr. Belinda Kendall is the CEO and founder of Promise Media Group. And if you didn't hear the beginning, you need to go back because this is an incredibly storied path that has led us together. And I do believe in fate. And I do think that um, sitting here listening to you is taking us in another direction that I feel so grateful about. Good. So what, what else you got, Dr. What else I got? Well, I found this wonderful guy. His name is Kurt Flood. And he changed baseball, but it killed his career in the process. So he was very, very strong about his beliefs. At the end of 1969 season, the Cardinal traded him along with Tim McCroft and Byron Brown, that's a tongue tire, um, to the Phillies for Dick Allen and Jerry Jones and Cookie Rotics. I may not have pronounced that correctly, but his trade turned out to be different from all other trades before. This time, one of the two principal stars of the most, uh, well, baseball writers and regarding them mainly as a swap of Flood for Allen. Not only did Flood refuse to go, but he went to his personal lawyer and then to Marvin Miller, founder and executive director of the Players Association and told them he wanted to sue the major league baseball. The decision sent shockwaves, um, not only through baseball, but ultimately through the professional sports. The waves were vibrating everywhere. In 1969, the players were still bound to a team for life by the so-called clause. Simply put, a player was a team's property. Now, if we look at that, and then we think about what's going on now in colleges with the likeness, image and likeness. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to someone this morning, kind of jumping around here. They were telling me how these young guys are playing for these big schools and their mothers couldn't even buy them food after the game. It would take the church to collect money for them to even get to the game to watch their son. And the school sold millions and millions of dollars of tickets and sponsorship. Um, I've just got a quick question for you. How do you feel about that? Do you think they should? Do I think they should? That the image and likeness is what should have been done. Oh, yes, I definitely think so. Uh, I, I feel like it is where we are in the game and that you you're like your example with Kurt Flood I mean yeah. you're not owned by the organization you know and mm -hmm. your name image and likeness is not owned by the organization and that's kind of where I'm thinking where you're going with Mr. Flood is that yeah you know he was like way ahead of his time exactly he was way ahead of his time and as a coach yourself you've seen the struggles of some of your team players financially and if it wasn't for a scholarship they wouldn't even be there Right. So he kind of, you know, started the whole 
the whole thing of saying this is all this all is going to happen. Well, all these moments was captured on a remarkable HBO documentary. It's called The Curious Case of Kurt Floyd. It's worth a good watch. The Curious Case of Kurt Floyd. And I thought one today that I thought was just very interesting. I'm going to pull it up. My last story. But it's to show you how much uh, the economy has changed. January 6, 1958, Willie Mays of the San Francisco Giant signed a contract worth $65,000. Right? We're laughing. I know. I know my first job didn't pay much either. So <laughs> really? Okay. Um, it's the largest deal ever signed by a member of the Giants. Wow. Now, can you imagine that? Willie Mays is the one of the all-time greats to ever play. Yeah, ever. but 1958 isn't that long ago. It's so just... when you think of it, <laughs> you know, that's that's a couple of decades back. It's close to my birthday, I'll tell you that. But $65,000 was the largest contract. That's crazy, right? It's very, very crazy. But when we look at a lot of these baseball players, and I have so many more stories that I would like to share about basketball players, baseball, hockey, they really played with their heart. And they played because they loved the game. I remember reading a story about Mickey Mantle because he would drink, he would smoke before a game, he yeah. would stand all this, <laughs> he was smoking before he batted. And um, they asked one of the players that played with him, he said, you got all of these machines for these athletes and all you need to play a great baseball game is good eye. You just got to see the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing. It's amazing that he accomplished as much as he did with some of the habits that he had off the yeah. field, right? Awful busy, as they say in the South, awful busy. But uh, <laughs> uh, my daddy used to say he'd throw his keys on a lot of tables, but he was one of the best baseball players. I'm going to remember that one. That's a good yes. old Southern saying. That's pretty he, good. He'd throw his keys on a lot of tables. Well, Dr. Kendall, one of the things that I thought was so amazing about your time and your effort and your incredible passion for teaching and helping mm -hmm. people understand the overall theme of everything that I heard you say and you alluded to it earlier was about service mm -hmm. you know that we're not doing this for ourselves sometimes yeah. you're not doing this for yourself you're doing this for a greater good and you said from the very beginning that there are so many omitted black stories mm -hmm. or stories about people that are that of color that mm -hmm. are not a part of our history yeah. So how do you see that changing? Well, I think it starts changing with people like me putting it out there. Um, I do it for all races, but I do it for my, my race, Black people, so you know where you came from. Mm -hmm. You're not just a dud. And I do it for the white races to say, you need to look at them a little bit different. There's a lot of potential there. So when you can get both parties to understand you know, we've been lied to and um, get to know us and you'll figure out why we react to certain things the way we do. Mm -hmm. I remember as a little girl growing up in Essen County, um, a lady asked me, you know, when it came to police violence on Black people, and it was so interesting. She asked me, 
I just don't understand why you run. I don't understand why you just don't do what they do. My father uh, worked probably about 45 minutes from our house. I grew up in Waysboro. He worked in Dayton. And I had an uncle that was um, a vet, but he would have, they call them spells. And he would need to go to the VA hospital. And I would tell uh, my daddy, I said, why do we have to call you off of work to come here and take him to Salisbury? And that's when he started telling me the stories of police brutality. Mm-hmm. And they would just turn him into the hospital and say, hey, he was like that when we got there. So because different races look at the police different, it's because we have different experience. Mm-hmm. And those stories have been passed down like a recipe from generation to generation. And that needs to change. I think the police does a wonderful job. We can say what we want about the police. But as soon as we hear a bump in the night, they're the ones that's going to come and help us. That's right. We need, we but need it's just that history that has to change. And that's part of education, right? And having open, mm-hmm. honest conversations so that people understand, because it is true, if we're not, if we don't understand the history, we're deemed to repeat the mistakes that we've made. And, exactly. and, and if we don't have some measure of empathy and tolerance at the same time, <clears throat> as a, <clears throat> excuse me, as a as a parent of a child with special needs, I see certain things in people that I like and some things I don't like. And I don't want to always judge a book by its cover. And I think in my business as a broadcaster, you know, I am never trying to use a cliche in anything that I say, but Mm -hmm. that cliche about judging a book by its cover is so true that we're not as willing to listen and learn or be open-minded. I use this example for me. If my son who has Down syndrome was acting up in the grocery store, people Mm -hmm. would give him a free pass. Mm -hmm. But my friends that have a child that's autistic Mm -hmm. and that doesn't have any physical features that are different, if they acted up, they would not give him a free pass. You're right. So I think that's a part of our our whole process here of learning, right? I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest things to help break that racial barrier that that barrier is sports to be honest with you because when you come together and you're working as a team you get to know each other when you're hurt when you're feeling good you celebrate with each other once you start celebrating with each other you start spending more time i wish everybody could play some kind of sports with different races it's a different level that comes in there where they bond differently and they take that throughout life you could not have said that any better. I agree with you 100%. And your time today, your passion, your focus on such an important topic, I hope will resonate with all of our listeners. And I hope that you'll want to come back sometime and share yes. some more stories because yes. we would love to hear some more stories about some other people that you've uncovered that would be great history lessons for all of us. Yes, it would be nothing less than an honor. I'm still trying to digest $65,000. I could spend that at South Park today. (laughs) South Park, amen. Sister, I've been over there before. You can drop a quick dime over there. Yes, you can. I'll go over there with you sometime. Next time I'm in Charlotte, I'll be looking for you. Please do. Dr. Belinda Kendall, thank you so much. Uh, We are so grateful for your time and your expertise in this really important topic. And uh, we wish you well. Thank you so much.